Bhagavad Gita, the last message of Sri Krishna, and we had done till verse 8 till yesterday. So we are going to start chapter 1, verse 9 onwards. Now, yesterday I had given you a small introduction of why, what is the difference between Uddhav Gita and the Bhagavad Gita. Now today I will start with an idea about translations and expositions on both these books, that is the Bhagavad Gita and the Uddhav Gita. Now the Bhagavad Gita, like I said, comes from you know, the teachings of Krishna to Arjuna and Uddhav Gita is what Uddhava was told by Sri Krishna. You have seen a lot of translations available in the marketplace for Bhagavad Gita. There are many people who have translated. But I am concerned with one specific translation and exposition. Now, the most detailed and the near perfect exposition on the Bhagavad Gita was done by Sant Nyaneshwar at the express command of his elder brother. His eldest brother's name was Nivritti Nath. Now, Nivritti had given an exposition to his younger brother, Nyaneshwar. And Nyaneshwar in turn was giving it to the people. Many a times, Nivritti, who was sitting higher up on a dais, had to tell Nyaneshwar that he is wrong or that he had to correct him and Nyaneshwar had to keep on saying, uh, the way we keep on saying, you know, sorry. <laughs> Nyaneshwar also had to do that. It so happened that after the entire translation, transliteration and exposition was done, the brother was dissatisfied with it. Santanyaneshwar was Sri Krishna's avatar, by the way. And he was doing the exposition on his Bhagavad Gita. Remember this. And the brother was not happy with it. So he told him, See, I am not happy with this. You have to do something else. So he wrote another book. Nyaneshwar. And that book is called Amrutanubhav. It is a path of life. Okay. Bhagavad Gita is also like a path of life in the same way. Amrutanubhav is also a path of life. Now we come to the next one which is called Uddhav Gita. Now Uddhav Gita was never you know, ex given an exposition by any great personality. So there was a saint called Sant Eknath Maharaj. This is during the time of you know Tukaram and all those people. Okay, this is these are the Maharashtrian saints, Maharashtra saints. So Eknathi Bhagwat is an exposition on the Uddhav Gita. Now this is the book which I have here with me. 
this is written in a very colloquial marathi or rather it is not even marathi it is in prakrit and this book which i showed you just now was read by my mother in law for many many years and we have sat down for a satsang on this book and she she would always carry two books with her one was this and one was amrutanubhav Amrutanubhav, remember, was by Nyaneshwar, and this was Eknath Maharaj. The translation of this book has been done, but it costs a lot of money. It's a literal translation, so there is not much data available as far as Uddhav Gita is concerned. Some people have given, but remember, all these texts, all these spiritual books, are nothing but very in depth written you know uh, kind of a codices or codex it's extremely difficult to decipher them so remember this when i'm talking to you it's a dynamic text it keeps on changing so for every person may come to me and ask me something about one particular verse the answer will be one for another one it will be another one for another one it will be another one so for everybody the answer differs it is as per the taste remember ramkrishna paramahansa also said that the mother would make fish in different different varieties for some it was a fried fish some it was a fish curry so on and so forth like that the exposition on any particular text like the uddhav gita itself also will be different all right so now i just wanted to give you an understanding of how these books differ what exactly is you know how this works so now we will begin so we are starting uddhav gita the last message of sri krishna it's a study where uddhava is told by krishna about the way of life we are doing chapter 1 verse 9 O adorable one O supreme mental worship scriptural studies charity austerities and work do not confer such purity on men of unsatisfied desire as the men of balanced mind obtain through a heightened true regards of thy glories developed by means of hearing of them sounds uh, the english sounds very weird but let me explain it to you there are two kinds of people those who have ample desires in this world <laughs> i want this and i want that see when i talk of men it is not just men men is a general term but it's everybody human beings okay every human being has a desire of certain kind you know he will say i want this or i want that so desires are there so let us say there are people who have desires and the second one is a desireless being so the first one who has desires wants all the material benefits in this world the second one who is a desireless being has only one desire by the way to be one with god 
Besides that, he has no other desire. So to be one with the divine can't be called as a desire in a true sense. To be completely devoted to the Lord. Yesterday I wrote something about love. See, when you are initially in love, you know, initial stages of love, love is always about I want this and I want that. So it is all about wanting something from your beloved. Can you be with me? Can we go for a movie? Can we do this? Can we do that? Can we go for, you know, I don't know what. <laughs> and I want this and I want that. This is the first stage of love where you have a desire for being with that person. So you will find that there are people who will talk for hours at stretch. You will see their WhatsApp is on or nowadays people want to do it in Telegram and various other apps, you know. So they will keep on chatting whole night long. So initial stage of being in love is always to be one with that person, means be closer to that person. The second stage of love is to merge in that person. So the person says, I want to get married. I want to settle down. I want this. I want that. We are not discussing material worldly love over here. But now we are going to discuss about spiritual love. Okay. So the for the first time, the person, whoever is in spiritual, first wants to be with the Lord constantly. The second stage is, I want to merge in the Lord. I want to be one with the Lord. Marriage is a culmination in the material world, isn't it? You want to be one, physically one. Now as the love grows, the oneness is not anywhere physical or mental also. People may be far away. The Lord is far away, cannot be seen, experienced the way we have to, you know. The same way the lovers are far apart. And when they are far apart, what happens to them? It is called Viraha Bhakti. Viraha Bhakti means love by separation. Love by separation is the highest Bhakti. Highest love ever in this world. That doesn't mean that you deliberately stay far away and try to experience something like that. No, this I am talking about the divine love, okay? I am talking about the divine love. The divine love is so very intense. You will find that Radha's love is that kind which is mentioned in the scriptures. So here we are talking about satisfied people and dissatisfied ones on the one side. Okay? And on the other hand, we are talking about the spiritual people. The spiritual ones are completely different. So he says... There are people with unsatisfied desires. Now these people with unsatisfied desires, what do they do? They go to temple, churches and the places of worship. Isn't it? You will find that now someone's child is sick. Or maybe the daughter is dying. That individual will go to church or pray to God and want to be one with the 
Lord saying that, please take care of my son or daughter or whoever is ill, isn't it? Isn't that how it is? So for such a person, there is a kind of a worship. They will go with flowers and various other things. They will read scriptures. In a recent case, this particular person, though not so much interested in spirituality, suddenly turned towards going and sitting in the chapel and started reading the Bible. So see this whole thing. You want your child to be alive, so you go in the church or the chapel, whichever place, or and you read, study and study the scriptures. The bottom line is, I want my child to be alive and that is the reason why you go and sit over there. So these are people with desires. Did you get the point? They will do charity. That particular child died. Okay. So now the person decides, I have to help all the other children in this world who are undergoing the same kind of problem. And then I have to gather the money. How many people have you seen in this world who undergo a certain loss? And then they realize that, oh, this cancer is bad. Or this particular disease is bad. So let me do some work for this particular cause. You have seen this happen many a times. They will have a charitable institution specially set up. You know, they have money set up so that somebody somewhere will be using it. But at the end of it, it is still a desire. The desire stem from the fact that you lost someone. And because you lost someone, that is why you have that desire to set up the fund. So did you understand the first few lines over here? Mental worship, scriptural studies, charity, austerity and work do not confer such purity on men. You are doing it because there is a certain desire at the end of the day. No. It is not going to confer you with any great, uh, you know, stuff. You are doing it because you were, it's like a gunpoint. Isn't it? You were put in that place. That is the reason why you are going to do it. That is not the way how things are to be done. You have to be kind, compassionate and loving to all creatures in this world. Everybody. And not just because somebody is sick in your family. And just because somebody is not in a position. I, you know, we have also seen this happen where children cannot study. You don't have the money to study. So what do you do? You institute a special, uh, you know, when you get money, what do you do? You institute a very special scholarship fund for some people who are not in a position to do it. So what happened? Just because you were put in that position, that is why you are doing it? That is not the way how life is to be led. You don't start a charity or some kind of a, uh, austerity, do something like that because you are put in such a position. No. Never do that. So, you need to have 
a true regard for the divine that means a very very real real sense regard for the divine we have to be always at the feet of the lord maybe you are put in that position so that you have to do it but that doesn't mean that you do it because you are put in that position i hope you got these two things clear you have to do it otherwise also see remember one thing in christianity and islam and various other religions they have this one particular thing mentioned if you have 100 rupees give 10% of that for special purposes like you know charity or give it to the church or give it to the institution why is it being said like that not because you have to give it to that person for his personal benefit you know it doesn't mean that you have to give it to the priest because he has to get something out of it not because of that it is because that particular money will go to a particular cause a certain place we always have to strive for this 10% of our income should always be removed out otherwise also not when we are put in a very dicey position you know not because of that otherwise also tell me something look at it from a different perspective the government takes a certain amount as tax in some countries it is 15% some it is 20% some it is 35% somewhere it is 40% and all do you crib of course you are cribbing <laughs> you will crib because you have to pay tax but do you have a choice no you don't have a choice because you need to pay to the government why does the government take the money so that the country can be run isn't that the main reason for it the reason why this particular money is taken is so that it is used for a proper purpose to run the government to run the country in the same way if you can shell out 30 and 40% to a government here when we talk of 10% for this kind of institutions or what whichever place that you wish to give it is so that it goes to a proper cause and not because you are put in that position just because somebody in your in your life is having a cancer doesn't mean you go and start a cancer fund got it that is what it meant you need to have love for god in the beginning not after you are put at gunpoint you know got it <laughs> and do what is necessary otherwise also you find time you find the money some people tell me you know guruji i don't have any money so now i want you to think very carefully do you think mother teresa or these great people have money no they go and ask for money isn't it you ask for money you are not asking for yourself you are asking for a cause and if you are asking for a cause and the cause is good then it is a very good it's a duty when you want to start a company don't you go out looking for funds of course you do you go to all the angel investors venture capitalist the banks institution funding authorities wherever they might be you may go to your friends and relatives also 
Why? Because there is some cause in it. But that is your personal cause to start a company. Here we are talking about for a divine purpose. And we need to do it. Some people find it below their dignity to ask for such things. No, 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 no. I am not going to ask. You know, whatever I earn from that, I will give 10%. No, no, no. If you have to raise funds for a cause, you should do it. If you could raise it for some other person for starting a company, why not do this also? Let us call it God's company. <laughs> you are raising funds for God's company. Okay? Now we come to the next verse. Before that, the glories, that means the prayers, those who listen to the prayers. Now you are listening to my satsang. Are you not listening to my satsang? And I am glorifying God. I am glorifying the cause why you are there. I am glorifying this so that you understand the reason for your existence. We are here to contribute a certain amount to the cause. God has certain things lined up and we need to be a part of that. That's what it means. Not because we are forced into it, but because it's an important thing. Alright? May thy feet be the fire to consume our evil desires. The feet which sages for their welfare carry with tender hearts, which are developed, worshipped by devotees in diverse forms, for attaining equal glories with thee, and by the spiritually minded thrice a day with a view of transcending heaven. So, how do you develop this divine love for God? Remember, I was telling you the love of different, different kind. The third love which I said is by distance. Okay? It is called Viraha Bhakti. Now, when you have Viraha Bhakti, how do you still love God? Remembering the feet of the Lord. Remember, we are not supposed to be sitting in the heart of the Lord or on top of his head. No. <laughs> if I want to be in love with God, I should be at the feet. Like Hanumanji. Hanuman, Anjaniya. What does he do? He is always at the feet of the Lord. Narada is at the feet of the Lord. Even Vishnu's wife, she sits at the feet of the Lord. She is not sitting on top of his head. Yeah, only one person can sit on top of the head and that too in Shivji's head. <laughs> you have seen Nunga River. But she is tied over there. She is not sitting. You see, her, her, the water was so strong and nobody could stop it. So Shivji had to put her in his head so, and tie it in his jata. Jata means those dreadlocks, we call it dreadlocks. You know dreadlocks. <laughs> so he tied it, tied her in the dreadlocks so that she can calm down. She is not sitting in the head, okay? So, so you will understand where does she flow from? She flows from the feet of the Lord. Ganga flows from the feet of the Lord, okay? So always remember, we have to ensure that we are always at the feet of the Lord, not on top of his head or in his heart and all that kind of thing. People have this habit of thinking, you know, that they can stay in the heart, they can stay in the head and they can stay in his hands and all that. No, never. We should always be very, very, we should always be very, very submissive to the Lord. And that is why at the feet of the Lord. 
So remembering the feet is important. When you remember the feet, the feet, the fire to consume evil desires, the feet of the Lord have to be remembered constantly. Then the evil desires from a person will be removed. Remember the verses are coming in such a manner that you will understand how devotion is to be maintained. To be a devotee of the Lord, first you have to be at the feet of the Lord. When you catch the feet of the Lord, what happens? Your evil desires are extinguished. The same feet which the sages for their welfare carry in their tender hearts. The sages will always meditate on the feet of the Lord in their heart. Now, in meditation techniques, I will also teach you all different meditation techniques in which one of the techniques is to ensure that you do the heart chakra meditation. I am sure you have heard of this heart chakra meditation. <laughs> you have to meditate on the heart. When you meditate on the heart, keep the feet of the Lord over there in the form of the devotees in diverse form for attaining equal glories with thee. And by the spiritually minded, thrice a day with a view to transcending heaven. Now there are lots of people who are interested in realization. Self-realization. And there are a lot of people who are striving for self-realization. When they are striving for self-realization, for such a person, you have to do the sanya, the, the ritualistic pujas that you do, three times a day. Morning, afternoon, evening and night. Three times. Okay. Afternoon, evening is the reason because it's when the sun is about to set like that kind of time. You know the twilight time. Twilight is there in the morning also. Morning twilight before the sun rises. You know. It is supposed to be a very very uh, auspicious timing. When the sun is about to set. Sometimes the sun sets at 4, 5, 6 whatever. And then at night. So these are three times in a day when people, those who crave for realization, will do their prayer thinking about the feet of the Lord. Thy feet, O Lord, which are meditated upon in the prescribed manner, in the sacrificial fire by priest, taking oblations with folded palms, and by yogis, Desirous of knowing thy maya through spiritual union and which are worshipped all around by the highest devotees. So some more. In previous verse it was about how you worship the feet. Now here the feet are meditated upon in a prescribed manner. Now this prescribed manner like I told you, I will discuss it with you in the future when we come to the part of meditation. Remember this is an in-depth knowledge book for having a knowledge about the subject matter. So when we come to the point of meditation, I will take you through this. So what happens over here? They have to be done in a prescribed manner. There is a specific way of doing it. You may ask me why is there a specific way? Can I not just not have a bath and sit like that? And many a time people have asked me, Oh, I don't want to have bath and all that. You know, I can sit in the morning. I feel fresh at that time. You know. Is it about you? <laughs> just think about it. Is it about you? 
Why do we have to go through a prescribed manner? Remember, it is like this. I will give you an example. The example is of an interview for a job. All right. When you are giving an interview for a job, can you be a scruffy creature, you know, hair like this and you know, not dressed properly? No, you have to be dressed immaculately for that occasion. You still haven't got the job, correct? You still haven't reached anywhere in life. It's spiritual also. If you have not reached anywhere in spiritual, is it not important to be ready for it in a proper prescribed manner? See? So if you have not got a job, you still have to go through the process of interview. You have to dress nicely. You have to be perfect in the way you speak. You know, There has to be a certain decorum to be maintained. Now let us go to a time where you have become a great person in spiritual or in a company where you are working for many years. When you are working in a company for many years, you wear a half you know, pant and you come to work also, nobody is going to say anything to you, correct? I had a boss the first day I went to my office and I saw him wearing you know, a half-tone jeans in 1979. I saw him wearing half-tone jeans and a t-shirt to work. And I was wondering, oh my God, this is supposed to be the, my reporting boss? And he, he became the uh, CEO of one of the biggest companies in the world later on. He became the CEO of Nestle's. <laughs> when I saw him for the first time, I, how is he dressed? By the way, I was dressed in jeans also. Okay, so <laughs> he never said anything to me. But everybody was pointing at me. So, when you, when you are a new fresher and all that, you cannot take advantage of the situation and say, Oh, I am already like this. I know myself. No, 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 no. There is a prescribed set of rules. You have to follow them. So, you have to be neatly dressed. You have to take a bath. You have to do your sandhya. Your pujas are important. You have to light a candle or you have to light an agarbatti. Do a small puja. It's important in the initial stages spirituality going towards spirituality means following a kind of a ritualistic path initially but once you are an adept once you have got into it and you have become good at it then it really does not matter if you have taken a bath or you are looking very scruffy and all that it is okay a little bit is okay little is allowed okay and when you have crossed realization i mean you have gone beyond you have become the CEO and the MD. Even if you go naked also nobody cares. <laughs> you will find that there are lots of sadhus who are naked, completely naked. Isn't it? They are, they have already gone beyond. So it does not really matter. Ramakrishna Paramahansa, remember in his book it is written, many a times his dhoti used to fall off. You know his... And it really does not matter. Even Sai Baba's case, he was wearing tone clothes. So, what clothes they wear, what they eat, it really does not matter if you have crossed and gone beyond. So, in a company, if you have become a CEO, a chairman of a company, then you come dressed whichever way. You come, you don't come, you go and attend some meeting or you are, you are on the high seas and fishing expeditions and whatnot. Also, nobody cares. As long as the company is working, isn't it? So here also is the same. So here what he is saying is you have to do things in a prescribed manner. Got it?
So initially when you meditate, you have to do a prescribed manner thing. I mean, if you have been told you have to sit in a cool, quiet place and sit on a mat and stuff like that, you have to do. Taking oblations in the from the priest in the folded hands. So initially, in the initial stages, you may go to places of worship. And when you go to the places of worship, you have to fold your hands. You, you have to do the rituals that are prescribed for you. Then, there are other people who are at the feet of the Lord. We are talking everything at the feet of the Lord. Remember. So the next is, those who want to overcome Maya. Yesterday we had a small discussion on Maya. Maya is a very dicey thing. Let me tell you. It's a, something which nobody can understand. Maya is very difficult to understand. You won't even know when Maya gave you two tight slaps. You will still think that no, I am right. Who is this I? And who is this one telling you that you are right? It's Maya. Remember this. But remember my four words which I have always told you. First is faith. Surrender. Third one is love. Fourth one is devotion. Go in that manner. Do you have faith? If you have faith, then don't question anything. This is what I am talking about a guru. Yogis. If you have faith, then don't question. If the, if the yogi, if the, if the particular guru is telling you, go and clean and sweep in somebody's house. Suppose your guru says, Go and work in another house and go and clean that place up. Your ego may stand in the way and say, What is he saying? He is telling me to go and work in somebody else's house. I don't mind working in the ashram, but telling me to go and work somewhere else? No. You need to have faith. Okay? And there is a person here in Bangalore He's a great person. Sri Sri Ravi Shankar. Call him. He sends his disciples to places in far away, in some villages and some kind of place where they are required. The students go to those places and they work in that community. They do community service. And community service or working in somebody others, you know, some other's place doesn't mean that you have become a servant. It's your guru's command. You have to do it. So you better do it. That way you will subdue your ego. Remember this. Your ego has to be destroyed, isn't it? So the guru employs various techniques and methodologies. But if you think that you are, you are, you are somebody else's servant, then you are wrong. Alright, I hope you understood. The second one was surrender. When you surrender at the feet of the Lord and the Guru, what happens? He will give you a lot of stuff. But again, Rahamkara will tell you, I didn't want to learn like this. I don't want to understand this way. There are some people in my world also, whom I have given only one book. Told them, this is where you are. Finished. Alright. This is all that you need to study. What do you need to study? Only the Bhagavad Gita. I am not going to teach you any other book. So sometimes 
they have asked me questions. Why is the other person doing such difficult texts? Why is that one doing like this? Why is that one doing? When you have surrendered at the feet of the Guru, don't you think he knows better? What is required? There are great saints in this world. Now what have these saints done? Remember the statue of a God or the living God himself, whoever he might be. Case in study just now is of Sri Ram. You have heard of Rama and Sri Ram. So Ram is the entity that we are talking about. Do you know his name is more powerful than him? Do you ever know that? You don't know that. Just the name Ram is much more powerful than Ram himself. If the Lord comes and stands in front of you, just take his name. His name is much more powerful. Got it? So sometimes the Guru will say, just say Ram. Don't question him. Don't question your Guru. Why is he saying, telling me just to say the name Ram? I want to meet Ram. I want to write about him. I want to do this. Not necessary. So you will find that there are lots of people in this world. They don't carry any books. They don't do anything. They are just having the word called Ram in their heart. And they keep on repeating the name Ram, 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 constantly. It is called Ram Nam. Japa. Sometimes the Guru will give you a Mahamantra. Mahamantra is Hare Ram, Hare Ram. You know that mantra that is there? That mantra can be given. But not necessarily even a mantra can be given. Just the word Ram is enough. Got it? So the Guru knows best what he has to give and what he doesn't have to give. Sometimes he may not even give you a book. He may just say, okay, just say this. Sometimes he will say, go work over there. That itself is sufficient. I did not know who was teaching me for full four years. I did not know. And that next question never even arose in my mind that who am I? It came later. So it really does not matter. Again, I was not given any book, but I wanted to, but I never found the answer. In the initial stages, I found few pages which I had written many, many years ago, sometime in 2001 and 2. I found some pages. And in that I have written that, you know, this was there and that was... I was not understanding then. It's not important. Remember this. For a yogi, just to take a basma and apply it is all that is needed sometimes. Sometimes he is only needed to just go and sit in one place. It's like when I was doing my fashion design, my guru told me, you know, my fashion design guru, he told me, you sit over there and draw croquis. You know, croquis are those, you know, those bodies that you draw. Huh? So, and then you put a, a garment onto them, the drawings. So, I, I, for three, four months, I just sat in one corner and I drew. He would come once in a while to me and say, what is this you have drawn? Cockroaches? I don't like this. <laughs> Crossed it out. And you take the paper, tear it and throw it in the dustbin. 
Now, by the way, I was already an NFT person, okay? And I had gone to this person who was the guru, the guru of fashion design. And he would look at my drawings and he used to say, this is not good. Many months later, he sat me down and he drew this. And then he said, now copy me. And I copied him. Then he looked at it and he said, why is this lady looking like this? <laughs> I said, you have drawn like that. You don't have to draw the face, see? It's not important. So <laughs> it went on. So for one whole year, he made me sit in one corner. It does not matter. He is the master. He is the guru. And gurus know best. He never even allowed me to hold a scissor in the hand. He will tell me, it's not your job. Let the master do it. You know, they, we have master cutters. So let the master do it. So I used to ask him, can I take measurements? Why you want to... I, you know, the way he would talk was very funny. I'll tell you this joke. What? You want to touch the boobies or what? <laughs> I used to be so... What are you saying? I am not... I'm not. Then... Don't do this. That's not your job. I, I used to be aghast at how he used to talk to me. A very great teacher. A very great teacher. I will always remember him. His name was Vidya Sagar. And a very great teacher. But to understand a teacher of that caliber, to understand the guru of that caliber, in the spiritual is also very tough. It's very difficult because we do not understand their nature. The way they will tell us, you know, go sit in that corner. Sometimes your guru will tell you, you know, don't do anything. And you will wonder, he has given job to everybody except me. He doesn't like me. It has nothing to do with likes or dislikes. If your guru says you are supposed to sit in one place and not move from there, now you better sit in that place and don't move. Okay? Suppose he says, you know, you just take this book and just look at it. You know, stare at it. Stare at it. Don't worry. <laughs> Knowledge will come on its own. These are the great, this is the greatness of a guru. We cannot judge him. So surrender. Love. His love cannot be understood at all. Likewise, the love for the divine and divine's love on you can never be understood. And devotion is what we are talking about. This book is about devotion also. So, those yogis who are devoted to the feet of the Lord, it is the Lord who removes the maya from their eyes. He removes them. And that is how he does. He just does it like this. Suddenly, it will dawn on you, oh my God, this is nothing but maya at play. Why am I getting carried away in this? And when you understand Maya, Maya is your friend. Remember, Maya is not your enemy. Because it is through Maya you can reach God. If you love Maya, you can reach God. Do you know why people in North India say Radhe Radhe? Radha is the epitome of Maya. She is Maya herself. And we think Radha is some intoxicating creature or somebody who you know takes us away from God. No, 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 no. When you take Radha Krishna, the way the way the word has been put, Radha's name, 
Radha will help you reach God. Radha will help you reach Krishna. That is why when you are devoted to the feet of Radha also, you will be able to reach God faster. So desirous of knowing thy Maya. Through spiritual union, it's then only you can have the spiritual union. And all these are worshipped by the highest devotee. Highest devotee. What does the highest devotee do? See what he does. Yogi is desiring of knowing through thy maya, through spiritual union, which are worshipped all around by the highest devotees. The highest devotees are, that is you can name them. Whether it is Tukaram Maharaj, whether it is Radha, whether it is uh, Mirabai, whether it is Ramakrishna Paramahansa, Sai Baba or whomsoever that you wish to know. What does the truth say? The truth says that when you worship the Lord's feet, when you go through the process of surrendering at the feet of the Lord, that is why I took the first word faith, second one surrender. Surrender was important. When you surrender at the feet of the Lord, He will ensure that the Maya is decimated from your world. Got it? Then you become the highest devotee of the Lord. So we have finished till verse 11. Next time we will start verse 12 onwards. So I hope you understood whatever I said today. And remember... Lord's Maya always works. Be in love with the Lord. Always surrender at His feet. And He will ensure that the Maya doesn't trouble you in any which way. Okay? So I'll take a leap now and I'll see you on next Saturday.